All right, hey everybody. I uh, hope everybody's doing good. Um, I am here this week with a piano player and a musician here in Kansas City, uh, TJ Earhart. How you doing, man? I'm well, man. Thanks for having me over. Uh, no problem, man. Um, so I met a bigger you... fern. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, I met you at the foundation, I believe. I think it was a couple of years uh, okay. when I first got into town, I think, and uh, I think we jammed uh, downstairs mm -hmm. in the little area and. and um, and then I've seen you been playing around a lot and, uh, for, for the people that don't know you very well, um, tell, tell them a little bit about some of the stuff that you've done. Sure. Well, uh, I like to do my thumbnail sketch bio by saying I've been a musician since I was six, mm -hmm. started singing in boys choirs and growing up in Bozeman, Montana, mm -hmm. had the great advantage of a marvelous teacher as a kid that inspired me to stay with that particular form. Went through junior high and high school in California, also with some tremendous teachers that mm. encouraged me to continue with that path. Got a vocal scholarship to go to Concordia College, Moorhead, Minnesota. Mm. Uh, graduated high school early, went to college at 17, spent a year in college. Well, actually about eight months. I started playing in a rock and roll band. And this is the middle 80s. Yeah, this is 86. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So it was mullets and spandex, and I had to strap on KX5 and the whole nine. <laughs> it was great. And I made enough playing on weekends with a cover band to start paying my tuition. Yeah. And, you know, being it as Minnesota was the last state in the country to uh, change their drinking laws mm. to 21. Mm. So I'm an eight, just turned 18. Oh, wow. Drinking with Norwegian bachelor farmers and playing in a rock and roll band, all legally. Yeah, wow. I figured, well, here we go. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Basically, is 30 years ago. I've been doing it ever since. Yeah, wow, man. That's cool. I didn't know that was the last state yeah, to go. Yeah. Uh, In order to qualify for highway funding uh, <laughs> is how the, the federal government dangled the carrot on, well, if you make everybody 21, we'll give you your uh, interstate funding. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's funny, man. So, yeah, and I didn't know that, that you were originally like a, uh, a, a pretty big singer, it sounds like. Yeah. Mm -hmm. You mm -hmm. sang quite a bit and, as a kid, huh? Choral programs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I think I may be the only person I know to have sung every single part in Handel's Messiah. Oh, wow. Yeah. Wow. From boy soprano all the way Wow, that's bass. funny. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've learned every staff line in that whole yeah, thing. Yeah, that's funny. So when I go to sing-alongs, I can never decide. Well, I can't actually sing that, but I'm reading it. I remember that part. Well, that's one of those songs that nobody knows their part. They just know the song. So you'll hear it when you when you go to churches. You'll hear and he shall reign. And then the next guys will and he shall. You know everybody and just he shall the part. Yeah, and, he and shall everybody sings like everybody else's part. You know because like I just think that's well, it's, funny. That's the, the joy of Baroque period music is that they're all melodies. Mm -hmm. But the genius of those composers, you know, the bigger the wig, the better the uh, voice leading. Mm. You know, uh, Handel could find a way to create brilliant ideas harmonically with all these different melodies. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, everybody thinks that their part's the melody. You're right, yeah, yeah. Well, it is. <laughs> yeah, 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 that's funny. Yeah, but I know at our church, they always make it, they're, they always let whoever wants to come up, because a lot of us that'll come back on like Easter, you know, we'll, mm -hmm. there's, there's quite a bit of musicians at their church, and they, and so it's always fun to go back and sing that. Uh, but, um, so, and definitely I've seen you, like even the other night, uh, we, we went out and, uh, you're playing with, uh, Dusty, right? Mm -hmm. Dusty Russ mm -hmm. at their, their open jam at West And the Roman Oklahomans. Yeah. yeah. 
and uh, that was fun, man. And so the, the most of the time when I've seen you, you've been playing piano, obviously. Um, I know that over the years, you've done a lot of different kinds of music, a lot of different kinds of genres, and that's really similar mm -hmm. to me, I guess, because I really enjoy like diving out and stuff. And um, well, you know, Duke. Uh, sorry, yeah, okay. yeah. It's Duke Ellington's famous line: "There's only two kinds of music, good and bad." Yeah. I like playing all the good stuff. Yeah. And there's yeah, a yeah. lot to be played. Oh, yeah. I never get discouraged about how people will say, ah, music sucks, you can't find anything good. It's, mm -hmm. it's out there, man. It was always hard mm -hmm. to find. Yeah. There's always been Perry Como records that you had to avoid that got played a lot. Mm -hmm. like, there's plenty of other stuff under there, and if you go find it, you'll, you'll run out of time listening to good stuff. Oh, yeah, yeah, You won't even have time to listen to something that, you know, like, Granted, I got to put an ear on a Taylor Swift record from time to time just to hear what it sounds like. Mm -hmm. Well, I admire the engineering. Mm -hmm. Yeah. You know, it's, I know a lot of the modern Nashville pop, I don't yeah. call it country. Right, yeah. The engineering is spectacular. Yeah. It is scrubbed within a, a you know, a one and a zero sure. the whole way. And I, that's impressive to me as a technical feat. Oh, yeah. And whether or not there's any actual music in it. Mm. It's dead yeah. for the listener to decide. Those pop tunes, I mean, they've had sixty years of pop rock stuff to get it right, right? I oh, mean, yeah, you know, they've had about sixty, yeah. seventy, As whatever. As opposed to it listening is. to a Chuck Berry record when they're still figuring out what rock and roll's supposed to do. Yeah, you don't know the the drummer doesn't know if that's a dotted pattern or if yeah, it's straight. Yeah, yeah. or you know, the big band swing is as close to the thing that they're trying to do, but trying to make it motor along a yeah. little more. And it's it's just hearing what we hear now and hearing what they did then thinking why does it sound that way because they didn't know what they were doing mm -hmm. they, had no they didn't context. know what they were doing yeah making it up on the spot yeah and that's probably similar to every single genre that comes out i mean i'm sure the seven late 70s rap they didn't know what they were doing either because that would just had i mean that just happened you know uh right. sugar hill gang and all those yeah, things, you know Flash. yeah any any of those new genres that come in i'm, I'm sure 1906 they don't know what's going on with jazz, right? I mean, it just had started, like when, and it was when jazz you know, was still a verb, not a noun. Yeah, yeah, when, exactly. When you took pop tunes of the day and played them in a certain way, yeah, rather than jazzy, yeah, songs written for that sound. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's that's interesting, man. I mean, and like, so, and you mentioned something else really interesting that I feel as well is that like, I like different songs in every single genre because I think there's validity in every single genre when you get a great musician like you said there's good and bad I mean there's there's oh, yeah. good in every single genre you got to go find it though yeah yeah and, you know for for hip-hop I was always a big fan of disposable heroes of hypocrisy mm -hmm. which was uh, uh, Michael Fronte's band before he uh, no, what's it's not burning spear what the heck's the name of his new band I say new. He's yeah, been right. yeah, yeah, twenty yeah, years. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, you know that kind of stuff. I mean, there's some really interesting textural things going on in hip hop. Mm. But again, the engineering is amazing. Right. And there's more melody bit being written in it. And when the lines between R and B and hip hop are blurring, mm -hmm. you know, and the lines between rock and hip hop are starting to blur. Mm -hmm. I've listened to something the other day from a guy who performs under the name Nowhere Nothing. Mm -hmm. Think and it's emo and hip hop. Yeah, yeah. And I had to give it a listening. Oh well, all right. What's the deal? And mm -hmm. it's exactly as it sounds. Yeah, it's right. emo and hip hop. That's interesting. Yeah. And if you had no context, like modern art in general, if you have no context, 
to a Mark Rothko, you go, what, two colors? Okay, what is this? So what, anybody could do that. If you put it in context of where figurative drawing at the beginning of the 20th century, artists were looking for another way to express things in two dimensions. So mm. beginning to take the figure out of it, that's where impressionism came from, mm. uh, uh, cubism, all these different movements, they're just trying to find other ways to say something other than an apple on a table with nice lighting. Mm -hmm. yeah. But yeah. if you don't have that context, then you have no idea why those things are important. Oh yeah, and you don't appreciate uh, it. And yeah. A, yeah, yeah. If you have a bit of a context to it, you could say, man, that what a leap that he was willing to try that. Mm -hmm. And But you know, uh, any kind of artistic education, mm -hmm. which is hard enough to come by if you're actually in school for it, much less <laughs> without it, you have to have the curiosity. Mm. You know, yeah. As prevalent as Google is now, just to sit down and run through a rabbit hole of, well, you know, why is Damien Hirst selling things for a million dollars when it's a shark cut in half? Mm -hmm. Because you know the Dadaist movement influenced you know Marcel Duchamp putting a toilet on a gallery floor and calling it art. Mm -hmm. You know, and that was the early twenties in Paris, mm -hmm. and people were scratching their heads at the time and trying to define the idea of art. And you can't do mm. that unless you had know what it was defined as before. Mm. Same thing with music. I mean, you sure. just don't have any context, then it, it sounds like noise. Oh, Those yeah. crazy kids turn yeah. that down. Yeah, man. And so, like, when so I know that one thing that's kind of funny to me about playing, to, or the the thing that's interesting to me is is when I I we all have our technique and we kind of have our material and stuff that we improv with or whatever. Mm -hmm. And then when we go to these different genres, I find that it's really easy to just kind of go play my stuff with this new thing that I'm in, if it's country or jazz or whatever. But I find the challenge in kind of altering myself to the music to make it feel a little more authentic. Like I find that a good challenge to do that, even though I, like I'm a classical player, so I, I play right, stuff. Right. I have a classical, you know, mentality when I come into it, and I can't help that, you know. But the thought occurs to me as you, even as you say that, that the idea of feeling authentic is an oxymoron. Hmm. Yeah. Explain o that. Authenticity yeah. can't be felt. It either is or it isn't. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Well. So. Now, yeah. That so having, that, that having been said, if th that shouldn't put everybody in one tiny little box where this is the thing that you do, hmm. you know, authenticity. Uh, it should be more hard and fast. Like, that is the thing that you do. Mm -hmm. If it's in a different context, then that creates a new thing. Yeah, you I guess You don't have to that, try yeah. and, uh, and form what you're doing around other things in order to make it feel more like what you think it yeah. should. That's a, yeah, that's a good point. If that made any yeah. sense at all. You no, know, that did make a lot okay. of sense. Because that, that's what I feel like. I feel like I am faking bluegrass. You know, that, that's what sure. I feel like because I sure. listen to somebody else who's a real true, like, bluegrass style fiddler. I don't play like him. Right. You know, I don't play at all like right. him. And There's one guy on the planet right now who's a bluegrass piano player. It's Bruce Hornsby. Mm. Yeah, yeah. He's the only yeah. guy I ever heard that could play with a bluegrass band. You go, well, that's what bluegrass piano is supposed to sound yeah, like, even yeah. though there is no such thing right. as bluegrass piano. Right. If and you like, wanted to be authentic, like, but nope. Yeah, and like, I mean, we can make we can make all sorts of analogies with many bands. I mean, the, the heavy metal version that I think of is like Metallica. I mean, like they're the gold standard of, of 
70s, 80s, 90s heavy metal, you know, or, or whatever analogy you could think of of a person right, of right. that's what it's the genre supposed to sound like. I find it funny when, like, for instance, this happens a lot in this town, I think, where we have a very bluesy town here. You know, a lot of the players okay. are very, very bluesy compared to other towns. And when you talk about Kansas City and the blues community and then trying to get gigs, if you're coming up playing, you start out at a couple of jams, and invariably some of those folks at those jams find another barbecue joint where everybody can get 50 bucks a night. Mm -hmm. And you can turn that into five nights a week. Yeah, sure. Even now in the 21st century, in Kansas City, you can get a gig. Oh, sure. Don't yeah. pay much, hours and long, people complain, <laughs> you know. But the work is available. It's not that there's nowhere to play. Yeah. When I was coming up in Kansas City, you would get six night a week gigs. Sure. Yeah. And you'd have six or seven of them that you would just rotate through. So you're at the same place about every six weeks. Yeah. But you do six nights at one joint, six nights at another joint, six night, you know. Wow. And that was how you made a decent living. Oh, sure. And you only had to tear down and set up twice a week. <laughs> yeah, yeah, wow, that's funny. I know, the, ah, oh, the 80s. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and the 40s, too. I mean, you heard, like, like oh, yeah. uh, Ellington had the Cotton Club, and he just, he had it. You know, yeah. he played every yeah. night, and yeah. like, or whatever, many nights a week. Well, you can you can pull a lot of those stories from going to the foundation and just looking at the, the band, the Benny Moten Orchestra. Right. They played down the street. That was their gig. Yeah. You know, and all the cats would come out. You'd play in two or three different orchestras and have an afternoon show, a night show, a late show, and then everybody show up at the foundation yeah. and work out all the stuff for the next weeks of shows with somebody got a new chart or somebody heard a new tune. Mm -hmm. That was what the foundation was for, to sit around, have a yeah. drink, you know, flirt with the waitresses while they're not working from the mm -hmm. clubs that you everybody was in right. and work some stuff out. Yeah. And then you go sleep for two hours and then you go do it again, Ish. right? Yeah. You know, get up Ish. about noon, right. <laughs> brush off your other tuxedo yeah. and hit That's and go funny, to work. Man. So, so with this idea of, of like playing different styles, like there's a lot of blues guys in town and when they go play, when they go, let me, let me say this again, when they go try to play country, mm. they sound like a blues guy playing country, oh, yeah. you know, and that, that's yeah. kind of where my head is at when I go, when I go play different genres because in, in jazz, it is really cool whenever but it, it works really awesome when you like play classical in jazz it sounds so different from everybody else and it's so accepted right but like some of the other genres when you try to do something else with it you definitely have now turned this not into rock. like like you said you, you're not really doing rock anymore you're doing something else you know which, and, is, which cool, is still cool but yeah. is that what the, the folks that showed up want to hear yes and, oh man i don't want to you know yeah, and if I so I would hear that. I'd go hear the. Yeah. yeah, so like, so that that was one example that I could think off the top right. of my head. An excellent record. If you don't have it, it's a Man from Muskogee. Mm. It's Claude Fiddler, Fiddler Williams mm. and Jay McShann. Mm. Wow. And they that blend and that Kansas City is so famous for that blend of blues and jazz. Yeah. yeah. And a bit of, uh, uh, homespun country flavored kind of. Yeah. You know because it's just piano and, and fiddle. Is that the whole album? Yeah, just, yeah, yeah just wow. the two, Jay singing and Claude and him playing. Oh, wow. And you can hear the influences, but they're so well, not disguised is the word, but so well integrated mm -hmm. into the songs that they're playing. Mm -hmm. Like, oh, I get how that can work there. Or, you know, mm -hmm. how cool was that 
you know, kind of gypsy jazz riff versus just a double stop over a, a quick change. Mm -hmm. That's a great record if you don't have it. Yeah, I I only got to, I've only seen YouTubes of Claude. You know, I mean, mm -hmm. I was just, I just came. You know, I got right to hear about the Plaza Three that, with Jay yeah, and wow. Sonny Kenner, who was a long-standing blues guitar player in Kansas City, years and years and years. Always had the uh, would do Monday nights at the Levee. Mm. I've never seen a man smoke a joint in my life faster than Sonny Kenner could. Two puffs and one oh, as wow. thick as your finger. He'd take yeah, a break wow. and he'd light that up and it'd be... Yeah, wow. Holy crap. <laughs> so, <laughs> y'all ready to do it B-flat? Yeah. Roach. Yeah, wow. Well, I guess Sonny's ready to do another set. Jeez. But he'd do the uh, Grand Emporium regularly too in there and uh, he was Jay's band leader in town and you would never have thought watching Sonny do his set that Jay McShann would have Sonny Kenner playing guitar and fronting his band hmm. but I saw him more than once down to Plaza 3 when Jay would decide to play Sonny was his man and Sonny could adapt what you always thought he played blues licks he would just open them up a little bit if anything he could he could play less at that gig because Jay put the color in it Mm. Sonny didn't have to stand on making sure that you knew there were flatted thirds and flatted sevenths and uh, you know that kind of constant bending in blues that you know to make it sound like a singer yeah but he could play a little less but still color it just right and I know that's why Jay dug him like, mm. and I think that Sonny had better dope than anybody <laughs> so, which never hurts so, so like when 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 I so so what I'm trying to get at with these multiple styles to kind of keep on that mm -hmm. is is that I like like I was saying I I find that I I want to sound as authentic as I possibly can because I know that you know when you get somebody like a Eminem it's it has nothing to do with him being black and white it's because he's been around hip hop his whole life he's worked at it you know he's he's authentically sounding he's like really you know good at it. He's really good at it, and there's a reason because he's just been in that. And I know somebody like myself with with country. I'm now starting to get into my third, you know, big, big gigging country band, mm -hmm. and so now I'm starting to sort of sound like a country player. Before, when I first started, you know, I didn't really know what I was doing country wise. Right. I knew what I was doing playing wise, but not country. And so, like, when I, when when I listen to piano. I'm personally not a big fan of piano in country. I haven't heard very many guys do it well. Though. Well, I, I got you one, know, and one you, name yeah, for you, dude. Yeah. Floyd Kramer. Floyd Kramer, Floyd yeah. Floyd motherfucking Kramer. Yeah, yeah. And one song, The Last Date. Mm. That is Country Piano 101. Mm. And that song, he sold more records than Elvis and the Beatles. He was also the first musician to use uh, an infomercial what we call them infomercials now. Mm. He sold his records direct on television. Oh, wow. You know, Floyd Kramer plays the hits. Yeah, wow. And that was the commercial that came on on the three channels that you could get on so your So that TV. was 50s then? Uh, early 60s. Early 60s, yeah, yeah. Maybe, maybe middle. But he was also the guy who played on every session in Nashville. Mm. You know, the kickoff to uh, Crazy. That's Floyd. He was yeah. an A-lister. Sure. And, uh, the Columbia Studios. Top of the studio. Oh, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. So, uh, yeah, and Pig Robbins was another guy just like that. But there's there's a lot more piano in 
classic country than I think people get. And the fact mm-hmm. that Jerry Lee had most of his biggest hits as a country artist. Mm-hmm. And his country playing, and of course, it's going to be Jerry Lee at some point where he's got to have the mm-hmm. last word, flip his hand up the top of the keyboard. Mm-hmm. But his country playing is outstanding. And another thing about country piano, too, is that it, if, if you, and the, you and the bass player have to lock, mm-hmm. you're, you've got to play exactly the same walk-ups, mm-hmm. the same turns, you know, if you're going down to the four or up to the four. Mm-hmm. But once you do that, the rhythm section suddenly just <laughs> absolutely mm-hmm. sucks together because that bass line is being emphasized by an octave, you know, with the piano. Mm-hmm. And it, like a lot of classic country records have both stand-up bass and what's called tic-tac bass. Like a mm. P bass with a, a real bright pick, but you like yeah, I didn't know that. Yeah, and you double bass tracks on a yeah, lot of classic wow. country records, yeah. but a piano and a bass can do that as well. And when sure. it does lock down, man, dance floor sh- fills up. Yeah, I, I guess one of the reasons why I've noticed some guys that try that that again are are back to this thing. Of, you can really uh, screw up a country song by playing blues piano in it. Mm. When you start flattening those thirds and sevenths. Those are not in the melody line anywhere. Country singers are not known for bending half steps. It's always whole steps. Mm. So when you start putting those things in, it sounds wrong. Mm. Sounds too bluesy or something. Yeah, yeah it, it just, if you do the same lick, that, but, if you yeah. do the same lick with a, a whole step, like a steel player, ding, ding. Yeah. And you, you try and flat the third or the seventh or do one of those yeah. uh, accidentals. Right. <laughs> for a reason they call them that right. then yeah it, it uh, changes the character of the song mm. yeah I mean I guess the, the one guy we had come into another this was a band back in the day he was doing big like octave style chords and stuff like like more like a classical player because he was kind mm-hmm. of more of a classical kind of mm-hmm. guy or at least classically trained and I felt that like he was he, like he was doing what you're saying where he was fighting with the bass the whole time you know they, him and the I, bass were trying I, to do the same thing but they weren't doing the same thing and he, his the sound of it sounded too classical just like you're talking about this is sounding too bluesy you know and right. so that that was one and I've seen I've seen more people do that before where they, they'll kind of like I know a lot of jazz guys will maybe talk about what general three octaves you need to stay in you know in, in general like for comping or something is what, not so right. long but comping like right. and I think that guy was down one more one octave too low or something and it muddied it up and it muddied it up and it, it, it's just it was the style too it didn't it, it definitely muddied it up but it was the style of that mm-hmm. and then also like I found a problem once in a while where in country the, perhaps in no other genre the your best choice is to play the melody Mm. You play the melody, yeah. you've done the right thing. Yeah. You know? And it always and sounds it, good. Well, yeah, especially yeah, yeah. if you nail it. Yeah. <laughs> which, <laughs> which, strangely enough, is harder than, you know, you say, I'll just play the melody. Yeah. Okay, huh? that means you have to know it and have yeah. practiced it. You can't just run a riff. Yeah. You, you play the melody. Mm-hmm. And then people say, eh, that's the song. You know? Right. You throw too much other stuff in there, like, you know, you go to the foundation and you listen to these guys run these charts and you have no idea what song they're playing. Yeah, yeah. You know, they, they played the head 15 minutes ago yeah, and they've been exploring yeah. ever since, yeah. which is the point of that art form. Right. But at some point, you got to look up and say, guys, I don't know where the one is. Yeah. You know, I haven't heard a melody since you started. Right. I know you're coming back to it to finish. 
but it's okay to bring that back in a little bit mm. personally. Yeah, because I think you're right. I mean, how many country tunes make the solo the melody and it sounds wonderful you know yeah, they'll like, put it on mm, like mm, our band mm. I, they let me play violin you know the violin they, so they sing it first and then they have the violin on it and it sounds right. great right. you know i mean it sounds just really nice and so like i guess the the other one was like in my other band and you can certainly ask too much of any given genre like you don't have to try and pile everything into one type it's okay to have a bag mm. and do that bag there, and then bag and do that there. Yeah. yeah, yeah, I like that. And and like, I guess the other one was that when in my other band when I had a pian, so we we talked for a minute about the piano and guitar not linking up or battling mm. each other. Yeah. And then in my other band, I had a five piece. So it was me, guitar, uh, piano, bass, drums, and so I noticed that if I want this piano and the guitar to be cording or to comp in however they feel like comping, mm -hmm. I was noticing that they're, they're playing in this exact same octave and they're, they're really muddying each other. And so it was like using the piano to muddy with the bass and then using the piano right. to muddy with guitar. Where so much of that comes from too is not only just the voicings in your chords, it's the rhythm pattern you pick. Mm. Yeah. Once you start separating the rhythm patterns and finding an accent pattern that is different from other instruments, even if you're in the same octave and a half, suddenly it, it has its own place yeah. in, a, in a mix or in a song. Yeah, and it pops, right? It, it kind of, you, can, you can hear that, the piano, hear the you can, guitar. You can be right? as creative with rhythm as you can with melody or harmony. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that's a very difficult thing to focus on. Mm -hmm. You know, just get a ten-fingered drummer. Okay? Yeah. The, the piano is a percussion instrument. Yeah. You hit it. You yeah. just happen to have a bunch of notes underneath your fingers while you're doing it. Mm -hmm. But finding that spot, and I'm lucky enough with the Nace brothers, Jimmy Nace is a, mm -hmm. he, he decorates during the song for the most part. He's a great slide player and he has interesting inversions and stuff and he's not a rhythm player much per se. It's because that's my job. Mm -hmm. So yeah. I'm over here, you know, I play the song and he's over there going, oh yeah, 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 right. But that division of labor, yeah, especially rhythmically, can open up a mix. Yeah, and I that's I like that you said that because the and that's what I kind of maybe sort of tried to tell them is that kind of what you just described where, and you can do this either way where you have the piano kind of rocking some pretty heavy chords and they're, they're doing a lot of the chord work basically, mm -hmm. but then you could, if you wanted to have the guitar kind of comp single note style instead of comp chord style. So and that's my, kind of what you my, just said, my right? Yeah. Guitar players, and I swear if I find a guy who can do this and nothing but, I'm gonna hire him and I don't care what yeah. it's gonna take, the skank. James Brown guitar, for yeah. example. That kind of style of guitar can work in almost any genre just mm -hmm. because of its simplicity and it adds punch to the rhythm and it adds just enough uh, support for a melody and it can be its own melody with just one or two notes. That kind of guitar playing is... Yeah. Uh, sadly, uh, 
disappearing art form. Yeah, and that's like, that's like, I mean, whatever words you want to use to describe it, but it, that, that's like either like a single note kind of a thing or like a mm -hmm. riff style, right? Because yeah. the yeah. piano's not really, if you're in that mode, the piano's not really doing a, a riff, they're chording, right? right. You're talking about Dennett, 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 and Dennett, you know, so Great horn sections yeah. do that, right? Mm -hmm. you know, and a guitar can be a horn section in that respect. Yes, you know, same with that role, harmonica right? players. When they're really good, they know how to comp. Mm -hmm. You know, and it, it's, I know it's an oxymoron again. Really good harmonica players. Yeah. No offense to all the great harmonica players out there. I love you. You know, I work with a number of you. You're beautiful people. <laughs> I'm kind of I personally. I on a tangent. I'm kind of over harmonica, dude. In town, I'm kind of over it's, it, man. It's the easiest instrument to piss people off with. Yeah. And if bring bring in your uh, bring in your you know twin reverb for this jam, and then you <laughs> your your well, triple your triple triple stack, and then you're like, oh yeah, my harmonica. Yeah, you know, it's, my... it's just like, oh my gosh. Oh well. But so like, so two things. First mm -hmm. of all, talk about what you just kind of, cause you just said something really interesting, how sometimes it's hard for people to get in that mindset of when you're comping and the rhythm of the comping. And I, I've noticed that with right. my students that, that right. that's one of the first things I try to tell them is that and jazz guys blow this theory out of the water. Every time you watch them play anything is that you can play all sorts of notes, right? You're, you're, you can go out of key you can come back in. I mean, your notes right. are really, it's not that they're irrelevant, but what makes it sound really good is the rhythm. So, so like, talk about you that for a second. Put whatever you want in between, knowing you're gonna start right on the downbeat and end mm -hmm. right on a downbeat. Yeah. Whatever happens in between, that's a journey. Mm -hmm. That is, you know, that's just ideas that are coming and going, and you you almost think about what might happen after something you just played rather than what you just played. There's an apocryphal story, kind of like that uh, young trumpet player learns Cherokee and goes to mm. Dizzy Gillespie's jam at the Coca-Cola Club. Mm. And he gets up there and he's sweating and he blows his thing and he nails it and the crowd's going crazy and he comes off and Mr. Gillespie's sitting at his table and he says, Diz, thank you so much for letting me do the jam, man. How was it? And Dizzy looks at him and says, man, you sound real good, kid. I tell you, if you leave some holes, some mm -hmm. music might fall out. Yeah. And one of the hardest things in the world to learn is what not to play. Yeah. And rhythmically, when you, you know, if you just breathe, because mm -hmm. pianos don't breathe. Mm -hmm. Neither does mine. You can just go, 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 right. go, 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 right. go, go, and go. Adding breath to anything that you play mm -hmm. just makes it more human. Right. And people will respond to that whether they know why they're doing it or not. Mm -hmm. If you breathe somewhere, then the ear gets a chance to catch up. And I'll go, okay, you took a moment. We all collected ourselves after that flurry of whatever it was you played. Mm -hmm. Now you're going to do something else. Great. Right. Okay. I'm with you. Yeah, right. And like, I mean, that, so, I mean, that'd be probably a obviously good piece of advice in, in, in a rhythm sense of, I mean, there's, there's, there's a whole bunch of things that this, this benefits, you know, taking right. this idea of, of doing different different kinds of rhythms that could be it could be what like tri you know triplets that could be using space that could be don't right. come in on the downbeat come in, come in on the and etc etc find, et find yeah. a different accent pattern for yeah a part and accents that. is another one yeah yeah and, yeah and your comping will suddenly become an integral part of the song and right. nobody can play it without that right 
you know, rather than just forcing it, you know, mm-hmm. cramming it all in there. Yeah, and that'll that'll make you obviously just thinking of different rhythms. All of a sudden, your stuff sounds like way cooler, right? I mean, oh, yeah, totally. and, and and it changes your melodic sense because you're not just yeah. it's you know you just took out that and you took out that and it went wait wait was the tape rolling okay that's my part now. yeah 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 and i i really like that man because that that's something that is is really key with uh with. It's easy enough to talk about, but in the in the heat of the moment, it's like each everybody always forgets. Yeah. You know, yeah. Especially you guitar, to, piano, violin, all of us that don't have to breathe. You yeah. have to discipline yourself enough yeah. to remember to do that, just to stop every once in a while. Right. And stop in unexpected places mm-hmm. and see what people do. It's amazing. Jazz guys are great at that, right? They're, they're they can really, be. The good they ones can are. Be. The good yeah. ones are, yeah. yeah. They're they're the best out of these improv genres, I think, of of doing the David Deedon Dee at a level of education that these guys are dealing with when you have to already concern yourself with the modes you're working through where you're going with them yeah. you know I, sometimes modern jazz gets well not even, it's not even modern but the, the bop era mm. fell under the tyranny of swing mm. like nobody can play jazz unless everything's dotted constantly yeah, yeah. you know okay could we you know just play a samba once in a while yeah, something yeah. you know yeah and like so so i i just i think that's probably good because this this whole show that i'm doing is kind of teaching style you know just sharing with people and i, I think that would probably be a really good general i mean would you say i need to ask would you say that that would be a good Maybe not rule number one, but rule number one or through five with improv in general is think about your rhythm. Yeah, remember the rhythm. Yeah. Don't don't discount it. Don't Mm -hmm. worry about the scales that you're playing as much as the time in which you are playing them. Mm You know. Yeah. If you've got a cool lick, great. Dress it up by an interesting rhythm pattern or take that same lick and change the rhythm. Yeah, yeah. And use that as an exercise tool. Yeah. Like, here's a cool lick. Now, what if I, you know, put mm-hmm. a quarter note in the middle instead of a half note? Or, a, you know, mm-hmm. alter the phrasing of it. Can now, it now you got two riffs. Yeah. Yeah, now, now you have more material, right? But the same notes, yeah. different rhythm. Right. Hey, didn't have to change my hand position. Right. Hey. And now, with, with the rest, too, is that now you've extended your material, too. Because now you, like, within two hours of a gig, you now have all of these spaces where you don't have to throw in your good riffs yeah. and you can save I've them. Seen and it. And You've like, seen yeah. it. Everybody's seen it where somebody wants to go ahead and take another time around mm-hmm. and they got about three quarters of the way through it. Mm-hmm. And like, damn it. I, I didn't, didn't quite have, have enough. enough yeah, to yeah, get, yeah. You know, if you start lower and slower and let you it build, build yeah. then, it, you know, you can end up on a high point. Mm-hmm. When you stop and people say, oh, yeah, man, that was good. I like yeah. that journey you took me on. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I think that's probably Not great. to say that, you know, coming out blazing can be fun. Sure. But, you know, once you've started on top, you've got nowhere to go. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that, that's probably yeah. like, I mean, that that's, 
So now we're kind of into soloing more more than and, and comping can work this way too, I guess. Well, but, uh, but you have to serve the song, and especially right. backing up a soloist. Yeah, you know, uh, if you can feel the energy and the, of course, listening on stage. If you can't hear somebody, turn down. Mm. Don't ever make anybody turn up. Mm. Whatever volume somebody's taking the, the front of that, you got to be underneath it. Mm -hmm. Got to be underneath it. How many guys don't do that? Too many. Be underneath yeah. somebody else. And if, if once that happens, then hopefully they'll do that for you as well. Yeah. You know, but and then trying to respond to where the soloist is going. I know. Okay. <laughs> please, please just see what I'm doing. Just osmos this and just, figure it out. Yeah, right. Yeah. Yeah. Hey man, I'm just spread some kindness here. Yeah, yeah. I'll take it back. Yeah. So so like, um, so I mean, improv's a crazy thing because that that would probably be. I mean, that'd probably be my, you know, in my improv class, if I did one, would, would be how to build your solo. You know, I mean, that, that's the general, the general framework, right, of, of, a, right. Of, of a soloing 101 is, is you, you do less, you build it, you build it, and then maybe like the second, you got two rounds, right? You do the one round, you right. start building, right. start building the second round, then now you're going and you, and... Like and so it's always okay to start with the melody. Yeah, yeah. And then so that everybody's got it, it in yeah. their head. Okay, that's what he's gonna start with, and mm -hmm. then you can start to play with the ideas that the melody gave you. Mm -hmm. But if you don't start with that, if you've already started with the ideas that are post melody, again, no context. Mm -hmm. that, that's yeah, because then you can then you're in the mind frame not not the audience too but you're in the mind frame of the melody as well right and right. then you, you mindful of the melody while yeah. you know yeah while creating a new one uh, yeah and then like so on comping i that that's one of the things that's been musically the most not even the most challenging but the most fun i think for me is to mm. learn like when to play that mm. that whole when that that's to me is the like I, I say this is that like I mean I'm really generalizing music but like to me if you got some pretty good rhythm you you sort of kind of sound like you know what you're doing like we, we can go to some jams and, and most people there have some okay rhythm they can be up there and do mm -hmm. logistically do it the professionals sound like they have this other kind of touch thing happening where they, they can kind of get some mood and some tone and but then the really good guys know when to play, you know, they, cause, cause you can see some professionals out there that, oh, yeah. that don't really know the logistics of when to throw in a really good comp riff or, or how to super do a really good build of a solo. And that's what, that's what I always think with the when kind of question and what, with all of us that have played, you know, even I've played like 30 years now, I'm still pretty young, but the playing of it and the adjusting to the tone and the mood and the rhythm that's feeling fairly second nature to me mm -hmm. but I have to use like all the rest of my brain power through the song to think about this when and it's really nice that I don't have to think I can now think about the when because I have all this technique down but the when stuff like cracks me up because so many guys don't they, they don't do the you know like like I'm comping as a violin, so we got violin, guitar, bass, drums, and a guy singing. So I'm sitting here and I'm like, okay, nothing verse, you know. I just completely set out, yep. right? Yep. Come in, do not much the first chorus. Come back second chorus. Okay, now I'm gonna throw in two riffs, mm -hmm. you know, at end end of the little 
break of the vocals, okay. then the end of the vocals into the right. chorus, and I'm throwing in two riffs. Or always play on the intro. Yeah, and then and so then the, you can so back the, off the, if you so want. The, yeah. the listener knows that that instrument is going to be in the song. Yeah, that's that's you know, good. I like that. It's introducing the band. Everybody yeah. plays on in the intro. Yeah, and then and put them back. Yeah. So what would be some of your advice in general? So I'm specifically talking about like comping right now with either horn players or right, guitar, right. Or piano. Well, or whatever. eye contact. Look mm. at the guys on stage with you. Yeah. Oh. You know, I have a blast having fun with guys on stage when you're playing. You don't have to look at your own hands to play. Mm -hmm. You know, even the simplest parts are more fun because then you can look up and see who's thinking about what they're doing and they're looking around and you can look at the drummer and go, yeah, man, I hear what you're doing there. And then maybe give him a little answer to something he did. Mm -hmm. He'll hear that. And then next thing you know, he's listening to you. And if you throw something out, yeah, he'll he does the triplet that. right after you do the triplet, etc. Yeah, 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 and that's just a blast, yeah. man. That makes going on stage worthwhile. Right. And those unknowable moments where you communicate with fellow players. Mm -hmm. How many times you see a guitar player sitting like this? Most. How, ma how many times you Most. see a, a bands up here? How many times you see a drummer look like this? Mm-hmm. Drives me nuts, man. Yeah. I mean, like it. You're not even yeah. looking at your instrument now. And even the way I have to sit yeah. at the saloon with basically my back to the pickup yeah. steel player, I'm playing sideways, looking over my shoulder right. most of the time. They turned you around the other night, right? You brought in your keyboard, and you yeah. are facing us I'm now, facing which is like, thank well, you. Well, no, I'm still facing the wall. I'm not facing into the stage. Oh, okay. But yeah, I'm, I thought you were I've facing the stage the other night. You know, yeah. I've turned enough yeah. that I'm almost... My chest parallel to the front of the stage. Yeah, you know, okay, yeah. And I'm able to get a good eye on everybody and see what's going on. But you're trying to engage with them. Well, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, you know, I can play solo gigs <laughs> whenever I want. Right, I right. ain't doing it now. Yeah. I got you guys up here. Hey, right. let's do some stuff. Yeah. And that's, again, about... The, the, I mean, that's just another little silly moment of the adjustment stuff that I'm kind of talking about with not just right. genres, but... but uh, um, moments where you you have a band as opposed to solo right mm -hmm. and, and you're kind of a you know it seems silly and trivial to look up you know that how you're changing your mentality but that's it's different right i mean yeah, it, yeah. don't forget it is the entertainment business yeah if it was yeah. only about the music we'd all wear tuxedos and have symphony tickets yeah watch so, guys read charts yeah so so last thing on the the genres and stuff so so talk about a little bit of of as a piano player what are some like differences? I mean, you can do maybe kind of. I mean, you could talk about any of them you want, I guess. But maybe mm -hmm. like the differences of like how you would, if if you even take a different mentality coming at jazz or country or blues or classical or whatever. Is is there different? You know, how do you deal with that? Or, or maybe you that, don't. Well, uh, yeah. you know, there's a, there's an underlying musicality that has to apply. Mm. Now, specifics, certainly with any kind of classical style of piece, you have to have it internalized to the point where an interpretation of that piece is not going to surprise you in performance. Mm. You already know how you want these phrases to go and you've worked to get them there. Mm -hmm. Other styles of music insist that, it, you know, that it's a more immediate idea. Mm -hmm. And, uh, and the, 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 uh, the arc of concentration 
especially in traditional classical music, is a lot shallower and a lot longer. Mm. Whereas in pop music, you know, three minutes, you hit mm. it and you're done. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Mm. But That's you have to, yeah, there has to be energy there. Yeah. Not unlike there has to be energy in, in more traditional dead white guy music. But it also has to have a, you, know, you have to, there's a lot more breath, mm. mentally, if you will. You know, I know that a lot of piano players struggle with this, the classical players that I know, that they forget to breathe. Mm. And physically, you literally forget yeah, to breathe, yeah. and that affects your energy level. Mm. Suddenly, you just, you know. <sighs> yeah, yeah, wow. You just have to remember to add oxygen to yourself in order to perform. Mm. And it's easy to forget to do that yeah, when yeah. playing any kind of, you know, etude that's longer than a couple of minutes. Right. You know, and that affects the energy that you are able to put through the piece. Mm -hmm. I guess like one thing that I do, I guess, is that obviously kind of the logistics are a little bit different when like, let's take like jazz and country, for example, is that mm -hmm. like on jazz as the kind of horn player-ish that that's kind of what my role is in, in a jazz band is sort sure. of be like a sure. horn player. And so when somebody else is doing a solo, I seriously just sit there, right? And this is what you're kind of supposed to do a little bit as the as the horn type player. You right. just do nothing. And but in country and blues, for example, like when the singer is singing, I am allowed to throw little comp things in there, you know. So that's kind of a right. little bit of difference, I right. guess, where you kind of do if it's the kind of the straight ahead standards, I mean, you do your head whenever your solo is and head and you're standing there the rest of the time. But with country, you know, there's a lot more in and out, I guess, and, and mm -hmm. blues would be in a very similar. Mm -hmm. So I guess for me, that, that would be a little bit different mentality there. Um, do you, I mean, the other one too is that this is kind of what my mentality is, and I don't know if it's right or not, but when I, when I get into country, those ba -da 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 -da, you know those little cliche stuff sounds so good you know they sound yeah. so good other stuff can sound good too other but in jazz it's not that they don't sound good but weird stuff sounds good you know i mean weird rhythms and altering right, and like right. how do, do you take do you do you have a difference in mentality there with those two or do well, you just kind of come respecting the genres you know, to a mm -hmm. certain degree, that obviously a, you're just wearing a different hat. Mm -hmm. Saying, all right, this is appropriate for this, this isn't appropriate as much. So I guess I'm trying to ask, like, what are those? You know, like, oh, I, I'm trying uh, to make examples of, uh, of uh, like, you know. Well, like, comping in country, uh, you, I tend to play less uh, just because I'm, if, if there's no acoustic guitar that's on stage just doing the, you yeah. know, doing the root chords, that's me. I'm doubling the bass line. I'm playing the root chords mm -hmm. in a rhythm. Just doing a country shuffle. Two-stepping all the way. Yeah. And if something comes up that uh, I need to... If something needs to be uh, noted after the... you know, In between... Especially the in country, vocals, you, sing yeah. in between, you play in between the right. vocal lines. Yeah. Try not to step on the vocal. The vocal. Yeah. Now in jazz... Because who cares blues, about us? It's the vocal, right? Well, you're supporting it. You're supporting it, yeah, yeah. You know, it, maybe if country's a pyramid with that vocal line is the, the yeah. you know, blues and, and uh, jazz maybe have a little bit 
less of a point and a little bit of more of a plateau and a, it's more of a mound than a pyramid. Yeah, yeah. You know, I like that. There, yeah, there, yeah, there yeah. can be more going on on the top that you can catch. Right. You know, that's yeah, that's interesting. Or you know, but it's also not quite as sharp a point yeah. as what country music has. You know, and the lyric in country is sacrosanct. Yeah, right. You right. can't hear the words. It, you know, yeah. That's po that's American poetry is in country music. Yeah. Three chords and the truth, man. That's different than rock, right? Rock, rock I mean, you, you oh, hear some of the lyrics, is, it's like, rock what is a contact care? sport. Yeah, right? it's like, who cares about, you know, you don't yeah, even know don't what they're saying. I don't want to think singing. about that. Yeah. I just want to feel it. Right. Yeah. That, yeah, that's interesting. So, I don't know. I, that's just, you know, I kind of kept on this because I'm just always fascinated mm -hmm. by different genres yeah, and it's, stuff. You know, and, like you want in specifics, you know, how do you do that better? Well, be aware that in country that decoration should be limited until it's called for you know in the other formats a little more decoration is appreciated because it assists the point of the form mm -hmm. so in, in that sense yeah. you know, country especially you can play a little less and sound better doing it mm. yeah, yeah yeah and because of the genre it's like it's got kind of yeah and I think this is really legitimate because like in jazz it all the stuff it's got kind of a complicated, chaotic kind of feel to it to some people. To us, we know what's going on and we can hear the... Well, I can, I can understand that it's complicated. I can't right. understand it. Right. Yeah. Like, yeah. Dude, I totally dig what you're doing there. I have no idea what it is. Yeah, yeah. But in country... <laughs> Which is why it's I don't so... really like playing a lot of bop. Right, I don't either. I have yeah. to study I, to the yeah. point of... It would just wring the love of the form yeah, out yeah, yeah. for me. I just yeah. want to be able to sit there like a fan and go, "Wow, what the hell was that?" Yeah, yeah. I don't know. I never heard it before. Yeah, they probably hadn't either. They just right. made it up. I mean, in country, I guess everything is so so simplified that simpler everything sounds great. Well, and in jazz, you get really rewarded for complex. It, it can be simple right, too and sound right. wonderful, but you get reward. You don't really but get rewarded in country. Country is more for is much more naked. Yeah, yeah. But if you screw it up, everybody knows. Yeah. You hear a bass player miss one walk up oh, big four chord, and it's bad. And, yeah, it, yeah. and it's like, yeah, you're getting the looks uh, for everybody. Yeah, yeah. yeah. You, you know, it's scrubbed that clean that you have to just and it uh, has to feel. Like country rhythm sections get a bad rap. Not that that's a genre-bending pun at all. They get a rep, an unfortunate reputation as being boring, but it has to be so right yeah, yeah. to feel proper. Right. That you just don't have the room to screw up. And some people think that, that it can sound monotonous and repetitive. Mm. No, man, once that feel gets locked in, that's where it's got to be. And, you know, that's maybe the joy of playing country in a certain way is that the commitment to exactly what you're going to play when you're going to play it mm -hmm. and then hitting it going, yeah, just got that right. Moving on. Mm -hmm. They, they, it seems like to me that you have to like, this killed me when I was listening. The first time I was really not, not studying drums and bass and country, but like, it killed me that, that what makes it so hard is you have to stay there. You know, it's like the, the jazz guys want to, and definitely jazz drummers. Which is the point. Well, not jazz drummers, because they're usually very, very com accomplished and stuff, but a lot of guys just want to fill, 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 fill on everything, and you gotta like, you gotta just stay there. And that's what like, it, 
that's why it drives people nuts. That's why some guys literally, it's not, it's not the technique. It's like their brain won't let them stay there. They have to be doing stuff. They have to be filling like and a, like, like a sound guy in front of a great band. Mm -hmm. Band in a room that they yeah, don't work that's together. That's a great analogy. When yeah. the band knows what it's doing, listens to each other, the monitors are at a level that's perfectly acceptable. Sound guys should have to do, do nothing. And sound guys hate that. Mm -hmm. There's got to be something they I can do, do to do, make this better. Be Maybe something. a little more reverb on the next second tom here. Oh yeah. wait, here's a thing that's coming up, and I get. He's already doing it. They're yeah. already doing dude, it for dude, you, man. You don't have, it's okay. It's okay. Have a smoke. Yeah, go go out and have a cigarette. You're good, man. There are some sound guys that have the ability to do that mm -hmm. that know the material well enough that they can add in a certain effect or change a certain thing yeah but for the most part the best sound guy has done all of his work before the show starts yeah. you yeah. went up and you check levels and he got tones and then he's you know all you should be doing is putting out fires mm -hmm. if something right you know <laughs> something goes wrong yeah, yeah, yeah. rather than trying to improve what's already yeah, there yeah. but that's best case scenario yeah, yeah. yeah. i let Last thing on this, because we could talk about this all night. It's so interesting, and it's so it's, it's something. The how much to play and what what should you be doing in each genre is like. I mean, it's endless, and it's stuff that a lot of people are not very good at. But you you there's some to, basic fundamental points of each one, yeah. And then everybody has to interpret how they're going to do that, yeah. And it's it's never an end. You, you never say, "Oh, I finally got that taken care of." Yeah, it's, it's every constant. time you take the yeah, stage, yeah. you have to work on those kind of things because that's what makes those nights the nights that they are mm -hmm. knowing that you're paying attention to it every time mm -hmm. not because it's it's something that you're working on learning and then you learn and then you stop it's just a thing that you always do like breathing you, mm -hmm. you don't think about breathing but you have to do it yeah and you you mentioned too about like i've asked a couple people this and i've actually heard some different different opinions about this but definitely this happens a lot at the jams when you have like eight people on stage and people don't understand the, you, you were talking about having to fight against the guitar player and how when you don't have the guitar player, you, you almost have a little bit of, this is my opinion, but you, you have a little bit more room there to do something. And when you have, like in our other country band, we had drums, bass, we had a straight up rhythm guitar, we had a lead guitar, we had a steel and a violin, right? So right. the rhythm guy is just strumming the whole time. And then... Mostly acoustic? Yeah, it was... Uh, yeah, it was acoustic. And then we had electric, you know, lead guitar, and then steel and violin. So we've and got... invariably, it's that acoustic rhythm guy who's got the most expensive guitar on stage. <laughs> <laughs> we... But we had this like, is a forty-eight Martin D D forty-five, and it's worth thirty thousand dollars. And this is what I do on it. Yeah, right. And that's all I have to do because if electricity goes off, this is gonna sound great. <laughs> but like, I, I guess my my point is is that we've got three dudes sitting there, the the uh, the violin, steel, and lead, mm -hmm. all trying to fit their stupid little riff in between those vocals. Cause they, they all were okay. Right. You know, they all were, were, they all were good enough and competent enough at country to know that that's, that's what they needed to do. Right. But we would all be trying to fit our, our, and so now I've like, you know what I'm saying? I'm yeah. playing with the Nace brothers, especially when we do our roots of steel show once a year on father's day, the knuckleheads, mm -hmm. we get a steel player and do golden age country, nothing but, you know ahead of time for every song who's going to fill on what verse. Mm. 
It's as simple as that. Yeah, the general pattern being, if there's three places to fill, the steel will take the first one, the guitar mm. player will take the second one, I'll take the third. Yeah. As a general, so we'll just set that up ahead of time. Yeah, so that fills obvious, on what verse. That obviously yeah. fixes that problem in two seconds, you know, to know who's who's comping. I guess the only reason why I don't I don't love that is does does it does it come out too patterny? You know, does it does it come out too well, contrived you know, or whatever? You can, not necessarily. Yeah. You know, in the genre itself, it's perfectly fine to have mm. that accepted pattern of who's going in what order. Yeah. Especially if it's a jam jammier situation with that kind of stuff. When you mm. always say, "All right, you take this one, you take that one, you take this one," mm. and everybody will know coming up when they're coming in. Yeah. You know, if you've got the wherewithal to rehearse enough, you say, "All right, on this song, let's do it the other way." Yeah, yeah, right. Go here, here, and here. Yeah. But knowing that there's gonna be a pattern. Yeah, it is huge. Patterned. Yeah, right. Yeah, but I understand what you're saying. If it was yeah. always the same order, yeah. like solos is a great, another great example where you're splitting right. these solos and the, right. the the steel takes the first one every single so. You know, I mean, I think that could probably get well. You know, it, yeah. it can. But if you at least start with that, yeah, then you're not stepping on each other, and right. it's a sight better than that. Right. I mean, what what you know? You know it's you your, a choice. First thing to do is that. Yeah. yeah. And I guess maybe the, I, I played with, um, what was that guy's name? Paul Gomez, was that his name? He's a saxophone player in town, but we were up at, uh, we were up at, where was it? Dave Hayes' jam, mm -hmm. and he came up there one night, and One of was, Dave Hayes' several jams. Yeah, one of his, he has some good ones in town, a couple of the better ones, and uh, he, but, but me and Paul were standing there, and he's a jazz guy, you know, he's a really good jazz player, and so he came to the blues jam, and the whole time, I could just feel that it was absolutely wonderful. You know, my eyes are like this on him, mm -hmm. and I'm like, okay, he's doing it. And then he starts, and I just, you know, and then I started to do one, and he puts this thing down. I was just like, I mean, we were just, gotcha. just like you said, we're sitting there staring at each other, and it was courtesy. wonderful. It was professional <laughs> courtesy, and we we were able to get both worlds, right? We were able to not step on each other mm -hmm. and we were able to not make it sound the same every single song. So it yeah. was, you know, yeah. but you know, that can only happen when the person's sitting there and, they, and they're and they fast enough to catch it and they're, you know, like... And they're open to the idea. And they're open to the idea. Somebody else yeah. might solo here, you know? Holy moly. <laughs> yeah, so anyway, well, yeah, I'm glad, I'm glad to hear some of your uh, opinions about that. Um, you're Kansas City, so you've played in town for a bit. Um, you talked a little bit about the, uh, obviously there was, you know, 20s through 40s in general everywhere was, was ridiculous for jazz. You know, I mean, it was everywhere. But what? I've heard some people just like yourself talk about even, uh, even in this town up to the 90s was pretty decent. Like there's a lot of yep. work and stuff. Like talk yep. about that. Well, uh, it, it's just true. Uh, band, bars had bands. Yeah, that was the entertainment. Good, better, and different. And there were a lot of great ones, and there were a lot of places to play. Mm -hmm. You know, and there was uh, the the competition wasn't uh, that. You know, you had certain rooms that cer certain groups of guys played, certain rooms that other groups of guys played. And occasionally, they get a little cross action going. You know, mm -hmm. but there was enough work for everybody, and that nobody had to feel that. Uh, you know, railing against the market forces that, you know, we can blame cable television and we can blame mm. the internet and all the things that keep people on drink, 
drunk driving laws were a big thing. I, I totally agree with that. I've said that before that, I mean, that, you know, even, even the smoking Influences laws too, smoking. it was another thing that kind of, I think it was a good idea and they needed to do something with it. But the bottom line is it yeah. did affect the bar scene, right? I mean, well, it impacted know, it. Uh, in a certain way, but the idea being that, yeah, man, I love drinking and smoking and driving, <laughs> but I also love going to hear a band. Yeah. And if I have to give up those other three, band's going to win. Yeah. That night. Yeah. That's what I decided to do. If I'm going to do the other three, well, the other two, just drinking and driving, you know, thank God for Uber. You know, it's nine bucks from Westport to my house. Mm, yeah. So, pfft. I'm good with that, which yeah. is what I'll be doing after we're done with this. Yeah, well, <laughs> yeah. Um, and so like, like, so for in town here, yeah, um, but what, there was a a pretty low period there between the '90s and the 2000s, but I can see more places having more bands now. I think just because enough people realize that that is a important part of culture. Mm. that you have to be in the room at the time with the guys mm -hmm. you can watch streaming all you want and all it does is make you sit and think man I, I should have been there I wish right. I was there why how recorded music and sales is dropping and uh, uh, streaming is taking over but the concert industry is making more money than ever mm -hmm. that's why guys don't sell records anymore they stay out on the road yeah. that's where the money is yeah. it's actually playing live right when That's you get point oh 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 seven cents per Spotify play, right. you know, you got to show up where somebody's paying fifty bucks a ticket mm -hmm. to make any money and sell merchandise. Mm -hmm. I mean, there's more money in T-shirts than in records. Yeah, well, that's that's something else. I mean, that's that's sad to tell you the truth. But well, again, it's, people want to identify with yeah. the artist and they want a piece yeah. of memorabilia. Right. You know, because it's streaming, you don't own it. Yeah. You can't play it anytime you want to per se. No. The album and the t-shirt. The album and the t-shirt last, and I guess the memories last, but the show doesn't. Show's over, you know. I mean, right, so that's right. another. But I got a t-shirt. But I got a t-shirt. Yeah. My girlfriend was so very kind. I, I've had, you know, I got two and a half drawers in my dresser full of old band shirts mm -hmm. and shows and festivals yeah. and stuff. And like, I, I could fit some of them. Some mm -hmm. of them were just falling apart. I'm like, you know, I don't want to throw them all away. She says, "Well, I'll make a quilt out of them." Mm -hmm. Which she did. Wow, that's I call cool. it my Wooby. It's seven foot tall, oh, wow. five feet wide, and flannel back. That's cool. I've never heard of anybody do that before. Oh, and she said, I'll never do it again. Yeah, yeah. But I've got, you know, 20 years worth of cool rock and roll t-shirts and a big old blanket that I can throw on the bed or lay on the couch with. Yeah, it's a very cool That's idea. cool, man. That's a, that's a cool, like, memorabilia kind of a thing. Yeah, um, yeah. You can just pick it every once in a while and go, oh, geez, that was 15 years ago. I remember yeah. that show. Yeah. yeah. But then they're not stuck in a drawer and they're getting thrown away. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's cool. I'm, I'm a big fan of Kansas City coming from Wichita. It, you know, there, there's not the much Coyote going Club, on there. If I remember correctly, was about all I yeah. was ever going on there. Yeah, right. And there's Black a lot of stuff going dance floor. There's a lot of stuff going on at the college, obviously, but, but mm -hmm. the Wichita State. But, but up here, you know, this is just, it's great. There's a lot of jams, and there's still, like, an appreciation level in the city for it, I think, in, compared to, I was used like, Cincinnati. As an, I don't even know what the music scene's like, but, but other, other cities in the, in the country that are mm -hmm. too 
three-ish million whatever people, I, I don't yeah. think they're going to have the jazz scene that we have here in the blues scene. It's, you know, it's it's ingrained into the Kansas City ideas as a city. Yeah. Is this is what we do. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know many other co- uh, cities in the country that have an organ jazz room. Yeah. Green Lady Lounge. Yeah. What do they do? B3 jazz. Yeah. That place was Seven, sick. eight out. They that do matinees with B3 jazz. Yeah. You know? That place was killing the other night. I went in there as Chris Hazleton's group. Oh, yeah. And uh, uh, it was the, the late Friday does or whatever. Lever, Ken Levern. Yeah, he, okay. still, he doesn't play with him, but but maybe on the same night, you know, back right, to back. Right. I didn't know if he actually did the Hazleton gig as well. Yeah, no, because okay. it's just Chris, yeah, but, uh, or he's the only one playing keep organ, but him, Matt Hopper, you know, yeah. a bunch, a bunch yep. of dudes. But, oh, yeah. But they, they had full tables. Hopper's a good player. Yeah, Hopper's good player, <laughs> yeah, good guitar player. And I'm, I'm, getting, him, I'm getting on the, on the show here soon in the next month. But uh, cool. but anyway, so I'm I'm really glad to be here and stuff um, in Kansas City because it's a really cool supportive scene. Um, uh, a couple more here for you. What what was a thing in a previous band that that didn't really work so good? Like like personality wise or yeah. well, or like I mentioned in the pre interview, yeah. I had one band, one the second band I played in when I was still living in Minnesota, another pop metal band. Got a deal on margarita flavored fog juice, and of course, at the time, you have to have fog on stage. These oh, were the wow. bands. These were the bands when setting up the the rig took longer than playing the show. Yeah, wow. wow. When you had four 18 cabs aside, screw that. And man. you know, I mean, a, a thirty <laughs> made for a good show trip, though. Huh? That was yeah. the whole point. You yeah. Know? yeah I, I don't know if you ever remember the Lone Star in Kansas City. Mm, yeah. That was the rock room in town. Yeah. That and the Chateau Inn and. Uh, <laughs> another one and the production level was ridiculous yeah. yeah because that's what it was supposed to be sure you know and everything I owned for a year smelled like a, I was at a tiki bar and had mm. stuff poured all over me nah, and I just funny. couldn't to this day I can't drink margaritas yeah because wow. it reminds me of that yeah wow. so that yeah, be be careful of the scent that you choose for your fog because I know <laughs> the DJs are doing it now so as a warning to you kids doing the EDM Choose your fog flavors carefully. Yeah, oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. Bridging the gap here. Yeah, I remember funny. back when the fog was funny smelling. Now it's all yeah. cannabis oil. Um, That's a thing that, you know, other things that go badly in bands. Um, I've been really lucky. Most of the bands, yeah. the few bands that I've, I mean, I've been with the Nace Brothers 21 years. Yeah, wow. Yeah, that's you that's know, a I, heck of a run there, man. That's crazy. And the things that go good about them. Please, uh, me, please mention names and like out them, please. If you, all right, things that go good. For people that, when, uh, no, that went bad. Oh, oh. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> well, I'm trying to get I, you in trouble here, okay? I, I can tell you, never pay a certain guitar player before the gig. Mm. I can tell you... Uh, <laughs> Always make sure a certain bass player hasn't been partying the weekend before because you'll have to get his bass out of hock for a weekday gig. <laughs> Be wary of that. You know, and the worst thing about working with musicians, they're musicians. Mm-hmm. It's, we're, we're all... 50-year-old children. We're yeah, all yeah. fundamentally twisted... Uh, 12, I'm the oldest 12-year-old I know. Yeah, yeah. I didn't plan I keep on saying we're adults, technically. Yeah, yeah and that's ishy. That's you know. ishy. Child that's grown old. Yeah. 
What was a what was a couple things uh, either from the Nace brothers or whatever that was that you really really enjoyed like a a band leader or certain songs in a band or or personalities. Well, or what thing, was the thing? One the thing that, that Dave Nace has that I've I've had this great privilege in working with him for so long. He is one of the best uh, booking members of a band. Mm. He can talk to people and just put them at ease, make them feel comfortable doing something uh, no matter what there were times uh, when I'd have to when you take a break during a four hour bar gig which is mm -hmm. what I came up playing every night uh -huh. you know this whole 90 minutes and you're done kind of thing mm -hmm. I it makes no sense to me uh -huh. I would have to walk him away from the stage this is before he got his in-ear monitors mm -hmm. he used to have wedges on stage yeah. and he was singing and playing the drums at the same time which he still does standing mm -hmm. Because people would want to start talking to him, and he'd want to talk to them right in front of the PA speakers. Mm. So they're shouting at each other, leaning in their ears, going, "Dave, you got three more sets to sing, dude." You, you right. Let, yeah. And, and and whoever was talking to him, and he'd be in a half in a conversation. I'd have to grab them both and say, "Hey guys, this is important. I love you. Let's just walk around the corner real quick. Yeah. Get away from the path of mm -hmm. my lead singer having to shout at you." Mm -hmm. That's happened to me a lot. Where where like at the Pick, you know. Uh, and, that's yeah. important just in terms of uh, club dynamics. Pick your spot. Get off stage. Pick a spot. Let people come by and, and talk through the break about whatever mm. you want to. That's interesting. That's yeah. a certain amount of staging, if you will. Because mm. people want to talk to you. Yeah, they want to talk Pick a spot where you're most comfortable and away from as much break music as you can. Mm. That lets everybody be able to talk and relax and not feel like they're fighting that DB level again. As performers, yeah. yeah, it's a, it's just an easier thing to do. It was different when you could still smoke in clubs, and I would have the merch stuff set up in a back corner, and that's where I would just, yeah, as soon as that was over, I'd back in the corner and have yeah. the last tray and have a whiskey brought to me at some point, and I could just yeah. sit there and sell stuff, relax, and have people come by. Yeah, that's interesting, man. I hardly And ever, being gracious. Yeah. And Dave yeah. Nace is one of the most gracious people I've yeah. ever met, and that he's just that guy. And always be gracious when somebody says they like what you do. Say thank you. Mm. You know, I catch myself, and there are some guys in town that are some of the best musicians, and they're so self-effacing it's almost embarrassing. Mm. Oh, I'm no good. I can't do that. Man, you're a motherfucker. It's okay. Yeah. You're really that good. Yeah. Be gracious. You don't have to be arrogant about it at all. Just say, well, thanks, man. I'm glad you're digging it. You know? Yeah, I mean, knowing. And when complimenting a fellow musician, be as specific as possible. Mm. Because that's the that's the stuff that we. Oh, can't. it was good, dude. You know, oh, yeah, was, yeah. you're you're awesome. You're ripping. Yeah. If you say, man, that turn that you did when you did the you in know, the ballad, you know that second phrase in that song. Yeah. That shows that you were listening. Right. And we all love to hear that right. you, know, you actually musicians did are something listening. cool. Yeah. Or anybody. Yeah. If anybody's anybody, listening, yeah. as specific as you can get with a compliment, that means more and more and more. The more specific you get. Yeah. I agree with that. That's a that's a good piece of advice. And when complimenting other musicians, do that. Yeah. <laughs> Be specific. Yeah. Yeah, as as specific as you can possibly remember. If you, if you gotta grab a pen and write something down on your hand, then when yeah. you when you I talk like to them, you know. Yeah. Um. So, la last two here. I know we've already talked about a ton of like, kind of advice or whatever, but. Pay your taxes quarterly. Pay your taxes quarterly, dude. I started IRS doing that three so years hates ago. Me. Yeah, they yeah. hate me. They've hated me for years. And you talk about lack of maturity. 
I have a magnificent life. I get to play a lot of great music. I have yeah. a wonderful time. Taxes is my eternal cross to bear. Mm. That's the one that's going to follow me through the rest of my life. Yeah. So if there's any advice I could give, pay a lot more attention to that. Yeah. That, yeah it, sucks. it totally sucks at the yeah, time. Yeah, it constantly you to, sucks. You have to drop your... Fifteen hundred, four thousand, whatever your amount of taxes is a year, but but you keep have to up, drop it right it. there and, and instead of doing it quarterly, yeah. Keep yeah, up right. on that as best as you possibly can. Yeah, that's and a great claim everything. Hmm. You wear a pair of underwear on stage; it's stage gear. Write it off. Yeah. Wow. Itemize, itemize, itemize. Save receipts. You yeah. can. It can be kind of a fun hobby to just be a bit, you know obsessive about it mm -hmm. you don't have to think that you're losing money but it's kind of fun to know that yeah I'm getting one over on the government here <laughs> by itemizing everything yeah and almost all legitimate I mean, right yeah, yeah. but yeah. just that's one thing to be you, you've got to pay attention to that mm -hmm. you can't just go well whatever I ain't got no money where are they going to get it from because I, I've, they'll wait I haven't even talked about that on the show yet with, with doing taxes and kind of keeping track of that because we've talked about just keeping track of your business side in general and that's obviously another good piece of advice but, but the but the taxes stuff is interesting because like a lot of people have that question if they're going to claim the gigs or claim their lessons or whatever and right, my right. I mean my thing is that like did you get paid in the check or cash right. if the gig gets paid in the check then it, you got you got to declare it you got to declare it yeah and and the reason why I would argue to do that is for little stuff like me when that that little stuff that happens to me like when you go try to get a new place uh, apartment house whatever and you're trying to claim income how, how are you going to do that Right. You, right. You're on gonna one hand, go, you want the little, as little income as possible yeah. to pay low taxes, but on the other hand, yeah. anybody that's trying to get you a car, a house, yeah. or any kind of you credit have to rating, claim something. And and most right. of like apartments, anyways, or, or renters around town. I mean, if you bring them, you even like your bank statement, they're gonna take it. You know, they're gonna take it. But right. you've gotta you've gotta show them something. And so, well, let us not forget, yeah. being a musician is inherently dangerous. Mm. You don't get to have all the benefits of a stable right. life and family. Yeah, it's a bit of a This risk, is the yeah. career that you're going to pick. Right. You know, it just, just goes without saying. Right. You know, even cruise ship dudes have problems. Mm -hmm. you know, symphonies go out of business. Mm -hmm. right? No matter how stable you think a career in music can be, it won't be. Yeah. yeah. Maybe... Maybe it's easier to go into that field as anything else, knowing ahead of time that it's going to be yet that that little as opposed to you know coming out of school with a, an MBA, right. saying, "Well, now I will be a businessman," right. until the business fails right. or you get laid off. Or, you know, it, the uncertainty in the music business is inherent. Yeah. So that's part of the reason it's easy I mean, for me to blow things off. Yeah, right. I knew the job was dangerous when I took it. What do I care? Right, and so that would probably be. A great piece of advice is don't be delusional in that sense. Like no, a little bit know what you're getting yourself into well, with that. You're right? gonna be frustrated. Yeah. No, if no you're not, then you're not it. doing it right. <laughs> I know. Yeah. But know going into it that it's not gonna be easy. <clears throat> it's not. If everybody could do it, everybody would. Right. You know, because on one hand, the perceived benefits are awesome. Right. Rock star. Woo. Mm -hmm. You know, and I'm not saying the occasional perk. Doesn't occur. Mm -hmm. However, wake up at what time every day? Noonish. Not anymore. Not 
But I'm, I'm so lucky to have that little part-time gig working on pianos. You're right. Which the thing. And that's mm-hmm. something that I actually really enjoy. Mm-hmm. So it, it's it's part of being, part of my musicianship is to be able to learn all about the instrument itself, how to take it down, how to put it back together, how to tune it, to, mm-hmm. you know, know the machine and get paid for it. Yeah. You know, I don't think that, I can, people, Greta keeps telling me, well, I'm so glad you got a day job, and I keep trying to figure out how this is a day job. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not really a job. Mm-hmm. And this is, I love these things. This is, and then now somebody's paying me to go hang out with them 25 hours a week. Right. Like, ooh. <laughs> yeah, it's not even really a job. I mean, there's so many perks to it that is so awesome. I mean, yeah, again, like, I got so lucky. It just, the right time, right place. This was something I was looking to get into. How many, so I think, you know, I, I can really only think of maybe maybe one person in town that can really like gig full time and then have a living. I mean, pretty much all the rest of us have to have that other thing. Right. And that other thing can be many, many other, you know. Right. I know Matt Hopper worked at UPS for, for a long he time. Does, yeah, he still he? does, yeah. maybe. And I'm, or, you know, it's, it's some luck and some not, but I, I'm able to teach lessons so that's my second right. you're, you're right. working on your pianos or or a music shop or a church directorship or there's you're able of, to do the, yeah. the in the music day job you right. know which is nice but um but for that's, a lot of years all i did was put gig and play yeah there were a couple of years i had a plaza gig seasons 52 and they were paying plaza money yeah and i was getting that twice a week you know, and playing with the Nace Brothers. I've got my calendars. This is part of the reason the IRS hates me. There were a couple, three years where I was making $60,000 a year playing music. And you look at my calendars and there were months where I had two days off. I was doing 27, 28 shows a month. Wow, that's And and for me, I was going, I was drinking more money than I ever had in my entire life, right? right? But every day that I was gigging, which was most, it would be Get up about noonish, mm. take a shower, have some coffee, maybe have a little bit to eat, get ready, go to the gig, get done with the gig, have a few post-gig cocktails, go home, mm. get up about noonish, get some coffee, go to the gig. Like, this is exactly how life is supposed to be. Yes. And then they took the piano out of season 52. Yeah. Corporate decision. Mm. Corporate, uh, Darden Restaurant Group owns it, biggest restaurant corporation in the world. Yeah. And I said, my income just plummeted oh this isn't cool so you know getting back on the hustle you know i'm gonna hustling up more solo gigs to try and piece it together and then this particular gig came down the pipe working for keys for four kids oh yeah so i had it in my mind that at a certain point learning more technical ability on the instrument and mechanical and technical ability Mm -hmm. is a very cool thing because once you get that registered piano technician's certificate that's the plumber money in the yeah, right. in the music business. That's one hundred twenty five dollars an hour yeah. to repair and tune pianos, yeah. and it's it's difficult to get for a reason. You yeah. have to be able to do anything that a piano requires. Yeah. And there's a lot. <laughs> yeah. Piano's a big instrument with a lot of yeah. parts on it. Well, and, and for most of its history, and especially anywhere, most of the history, that was the most expensive piece of furniture in a home. Yeah, right. It's not like people now that buy pianos to fit their decor. Right. Before that, it was you buy the piano. And you can get you can get uprights for under ten grand, right? New, 
I mean, I can no, sell no, you. I, I can I, sell you one for three hundred bucks. Well, sure. Right yeah, now. yeah, yeah. I guess not new, but, but take like two. There's like, like a good one. Yeah, or a decent one, not a new one. Well, but, but I mean, I've got a Steinway ten ninety eight sitting in the shop right now. That's mm. forty five hundred dollars. Yeah, yeah. And it's so, built yeah. in the nineties. Yeah, and so, it's a Steinway. Right. You know, and it's forty five hundred bucks. Yeah. And you can spend a lot. Sure. Yeah. I mean, there. But you don't have to. Yeah. I mean, the the thing, the great thing about the instrument itself is its durability. I mean, the, the secondary market in pianos is, you know, part of the reason that we're able to do what we do is that we're like Craigslist under one roof. Mm. You can come and see a bunch of other people's old pianos that they've donated because they, you know, taken the time and the effort to sell it in yeah. any kind of condition. We, we get as a donation, I work on them, get them up to spec, vacuum them out, fix broken hammers. And that way you can come over and the prices are going to be pretty comparable as to what you'd have to go to somebody's house and pay and then haul it off. Right. We have movers that do that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's cool, man. Yeah. So, so the uh, secondary market, although it's it's soft comparatively to the new market, well, it's stronger than the new market, but uh, the numbers themselves are small. You know, I'm not going to sell a $14,000 Kawhi tomorrow, mm-hmm. you know. I sell fourteen thousand dollar pianos over a month and a half. I'm doing great. Oh yeah, and a thousand bucks gets you a great instrument. Yeah, people man. overpay that for guitars. Oh yeah, you know, come on. Yeah, wow. Um, I'm not sure how we ended up on that. No, that's all right, man. That's oh, just, just that's what it other is. gigs. That yeah, you don't have to ever consider that uh, doing one thing or another. You should do other things. If you're only playing gigs, mm-hmm. they can make you a bit myopic. Mm. It can shorten your sight so where you don't have anything to bring to what you're doing. That's interesting. You know, yeah. Art has to reflect life at some point. Mm-hmm. It can't just be... That kind of happens a lot, too, I think, with, with friends, too, is that we kind of accidentally keep well, talking sure. to music people, and that's accidentally you, who we always... Your bubble yeah. shrinks. Yeah, yeah. 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 You know, I totally am digging into talking to yeah. people who don't play for a living, will yeah. never play for a living, don't want to play for a living, yeah. but they want a nice piano. Yeah. Because it looks good. Right. And it, that's a big component of the instrument itself. Right. Like I was describing about decor. And they get one for their kids just because they want them to learn to play it. You know? And I don't have to convince them to get an, a legacy instrument. Mm. Like, man, I got a, a, a Baldwin Acrosonic here, 400 bucks. 20 years from now, it'll sound about the same. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Right on. There you yeah, go. Go cool. for it. Have fun. Yeah. Um, I got one more for you here. Go ahead. Um, I've been and asking everybody. And it'll be feed the monkey time. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, um, I know you've done quite a bit of gigs. Um, can you think of one, one or two, one or two gigs that were absolutely utterly ridiculous, or, or any any moments in the music business that we well, just kind of never forget? But when uh, Nace Brothers got taken to, got asked to play in Antigua mm-hmm. for the super yacht races, yeah, yes. there was a club owner in Lake of the Ozarks that also owned a bar in Antigua. Mm-hmm. They would flip flop during the seasons, mm-hmm. you know, work Lake of the Ozarks in the summer, and then the high season there is over the winter. So, and they were huge fans of the band, and they got a co sponsorship with Mount Gay Rum, and mm-hmm. uh, they you know spent a whole bunch of money and brought us down for a couple of shows, and we're hanging out with. Drunk British sailors. Mm-hmm. Uh, Pete Townsend's boat was there. Uh, uh, Richard Branson's boat was there. Uh, Roger Daltrey's boat. 
you know, and these are the super yachts, sure, you know, yeah. giant, yeah. you know, and like, you don't ever expect to actually see one of those in person until you see it a whole harbor full of them. You go, oh, this is, yeah. what is wrong with the planet? Yeah, yeah. Or what is right with it? Yeah. I've been on you look at it. So and, or, out. and what am I doing here? <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. This is kind of cool. Yeah. So we're hanging out after the gig one night at the bar and the crew of Townsend's boat, hang, and I'm a huge English Premier League fan. Mm. So we're talking soccer and just shouting and yelling and carrying on and drinking and they're digging because they, those guys love country music. Mm. We were playing more of our own stuff, which is kind of a fusion of things. But man, if we would hit, I mean, they were shouting out for George Jones and Merle Haggard and mm-hmm. Willie Nelson. And, yeah. Because you know, that's not an indigenous art form anywhere except here in America. And so we, they just thought we were the greatest things ever. And the, and the second mate of the boat goes, all right, TJ, we're having fun now. It's time. We're going to take you to Wendy's. Like, yeah, Wendy's. I'm in, I'm in Dutch East Indies, and I'm going to go get a cheeseburger with drunk sailors. This could be fun. Mm-hmm. Come to find out that Wendy's is the second best whorehouse on the island. So, here I am sitting at Wendy's, and the second mate, Pete, is telling me, all right, here's what you're going to do. We're telling everyone that you're Clapton's keyboardist. No, gosh. All you have to do is sit over here at the bar. Everything's on us. It's an open tab. Whole menu. Ladies, drinks, whatever you want. Oh, wow. Drugs. I mean, that that's the kind of island where, you know, what kind of drug do you want? Somebody will have it for you. Oh, wow. Whatever you want. But you're Clapton's keyboardist. Like, sure, man, no problem. Nobody even bothered to check them on that because all I did was sit in a corner in some gig apparel and reasonably dark glasses and kind of enjoy myself and have a conversation or two with some of the nice ladies that mm-hmm. work the place. And these guys macked every... I, that was wow. their thing. Said, oi, 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 look over there. It's Clapton's keyboardist. He's with us. So I got to fake my way into rock stardom for a night in oh, a whorehouse wow. in Antigua. Wow. <laughs> You had to stay in character, though. But there wasn't much to... character to play because nobody knew who I was supposed to be oh, other right, than Clapton's keyboards. And I could still be American. Yeah. I didn't have to be an Englishman. Yeah. And all these Clapton's keyboardists. You know, so that was that whole, oh, someone who knows who Clapton, plays with Clapton, ooh. That's funny. It man. elevated their status in the room enough that they were able to play off of it. Yeah, enjoy wow. it. And that was just, you know, a piece of meat. Well treated, but still. <laughs> that's my good rock and roll story that's funny man that's funny um so we're we're uh we're wrapping up here tell them uh, tell them one more time what is the uh the company your piano company thing he's four four kids mm-hmm. you can go to the website he's four four kids.org mm-hmm. they have all the information you need to uh hours if you want to donate a piano there's a form on there to fill out we'd be happy to come get it there's an offset cool. fee to help pay for the move Mm-hmm. Uh, also, nacebros.com. Nacebros.com. That's nacebros.com. Mm-hmm. Nacebros.com. But uh, you guys are a really good band. I, I can't. I can't remember. I've seen. Fun. I've seen you guys once, but I can't remember where it was. But it was. It was. A really We've been good known show to play and, everywhere with. Yeah. That has and, some electricity and part of a roof. Right. And everywhere in between. Yeah, but a very, very, very good band in town. Um, uh. TJ Earhart, thanks, man. Absolutely. Thanks for coming and talking a little bit, it's man. I was en- I was enjoy playing with you, and uh, I knew you'd be a good guy to talk to because you you're like me. You like talking, and you like talking about music. And, and oddly enough, usually a 
usually people like that usually have some good stuff to say. So you did uh, very well, sir. At least if I faked my way through it, I hope you enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, so uh, that's the show. KC Music Talk. With your host, Rob Foster. <laughs> smoke break. Well, yes, it is time for smoke break. But uh, we'll see you guys later. See you, everybody. Uh,